Hey, welcome, Fret Buzzards. Yeah. Welcome to Fret Buzz the podcast. My name is Joe McMurray. And I'm Aaron Sefchik. Welcome today, back. Yeah, and today we're going to talk about how jazz music has influenced our lives. Yeah. Pretty big, pretty big in terms of what this encompasses. This is, I know jazz is obviously a big part of your life, Joe, um, ever since you've gone to school um, as well. It's been a huge part of mine. I know I don't talk about it all that much, but jazz is extremely important. Jazz is an extremely large um, genre. Like a lot of people say, oh, I don't like jazz, but a lot of people will say that and they're kind of lumping yeah. all jazz together. It's like they don't like 1940s bebop by you know Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie kind of stuff. Yeah. But have they listened to, um, you know, 1970s jazz fusion? Have they listened to the hard bop of the late 50s and 60s? Yeah. It's, you know, there's almost 100 years of jazz now. And well, there there are 100 years of jazz yeah. now. And, you know, it's a pretty broad topic. I feel that when people hear the word jazz, they kind of think of maybe elevator music, possibly, or... I don't know what it is about today's society that, that it turns so many people off because it, it is. It's for some odd reason, as soon as you say jazz, a lot of people kind of, eh, that's just not my style. Um, and I get that. A lot of people don't get it. A lot of people also think, I believe, that um, it's confusing. Um, there's a lot of, I believe, when the whole improv thing happens it kind of gets to be a little bit much for people, the information overload type of thing, maybe possibly, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Um, if you guys have comments, put them down below. Cause we'd love to know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think that people kind of have this distaste for it for whatever reason. Um, I don't know. I never really, got into jazz hardcore until a little bit later in my life, probably until it was 18, 19. Um, but I've always been exposed to Joe or to Joe. I've always been mm -hmm. exposed to you for a very long time. Yeah, since 2014. Yeah. No, I've always been exposed to um, jazz since a very, very early age. Um, how about you? When did, when did you start to, incorporate just jazz as a listening media I, I i was a late bloomer i didn't really listen to jazz until i was really in my 20s hmm. i just wasn't exposed to it i grew up in the land of bluegrass country music and rock southern rock okay in north you know western north carolina yeah yeah um my parents didn't listen to jazz um so it, I just, I had to find it on my own. So I was older and I think that like you were saying with jazz being a lot of people don't understand it or they don't, they get lost in the improv. I think you, there are some st stepping stone jazz artists that you can listen to that really help, um, help ease the transition into jazz. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I I think that, um, maybe possibly people think of maybe like, I think the classic one would probably be something like Kenny G. 
Uh, yeah. at, at back in the nineties, uh, he was a huge hit and people kind of made fun of that whole thing. Um, and I kind of think that that's where a lot of that comes from. Um, I have a couple of Kenny G albums. <laughs> <laughs> There's a time and a place. Well, I, I'll say it this way. Uh, for me personally, um, like I said, I was brought up with jazz, more, more specifically smooth jazz. My mom listened to smooth jazz a lot. Uh, therefore, it was around me a lot. It wasn't something that I actively listened to. Uh, I was more into you know, rock and roll. Uh, but it was definitely around me all the time. I grew grew up with like the Yellow Jackets and Earl Klug and Kenny G and Spyro Gyra, um, all these kinds of smooth jazz sounds. Um, but definitely going into that jazz sound as well. Um, I I um, I definitely enjoyed. I saw Pat Metheny at uh, at an early age. Um, I saw, you know, like I said in a previous episode, Tito Puentes, and I was just exposed to exposed to a lot of different kinds of music when I was young. And I thank my mom for all of that. Uh, she really pushed the music kind of exposure on me as a young kid. That's pretty much where all my music experience comes from, whether it's, you know, drums or piano or guitar or whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed i can't say i really enjoyed it i i was exposed to it and it, it wasn't until like i said later on when uh i was working at penn state throughout the day i needed something to change up because at that point i feel a lot of people around 18 19 years old at least for me the people who are into music they kind of go through this period of maybe 13, 12, 13, 14 until 18, 19, where they listen to a lot of music and it's been around all the time. You listen to the radio, mom and dad always have their stuff on. And for me at that point at 19, I'd listened to so much of what I'd already listened to over the years. I needed something different. And the college radio station, the local college radio station um, at Penn State, had like different programs at different hours. So in the morning, it was like a jazz, and then it went into like a funk, and then it went into mm -hmm. like something else. Uh, and I specifically tuned in every morning to the jazz and the funk just because I was like, I need something different. I need to be exposed to a lot more. And then that just kind of opened things up a lot more. Uh, that's when I started getting into things like kenny burrell and grant green and mm -hmm. started really understanding pat metheny and started understanding um herbie hancock and getting really into um, a deeper appreciation for jazz yeah and you saw tito puente oh yeah it's so cool uh where oh. what kind of venue did you see him at a theater okay yeah, there's a at Penn State there was a, a place called Eisen or it still is Eisenhower Auditorium and it's a mm -hmm. big theater. It's beautifully done. Um because again because my mom uh, worked at Penn State and uh, she was very much a music lover and pusher um I got to see all kinds of stuff. You know, it was I was telling somebody the other day, not jazz, but there was a place um it was an old bar 
stone, the stone house or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I believe under a pseudonym, um, uh, a fake name, my mom took me to see this band that I really didn't, un- didn't know who it was. And this is a young age. And mm-hmm. I walk in and there's um, Robbie Krieger from the doors. And, uh, yeah. and it's just, you know, like 10, 12 people at this bar and there's Robbie Krieger playing with his band. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So like she just would find all this kind of cool stuff and tote me along. And there I was seeing all this really cool stuff. Uh, and like we were talking about last week, the musicals. Um, I would go to all kinds of musicals and I'd be down on the, you know, right next to the pit and I'd be just exposed to all really a bunch of really cool stuff. Um, so yeah. Um, jazz played a very, very important role in my upbringing. Um, and I have a great appreciation for all of the artists and what they do. It's, it's an amazing genre. It really is. I, I, the older I get, I love jazz. And I'm, I'm jealous of your, your upbringing. And I, I appreciate that my dad had James Taylor playing in the car and I love that kind of music, but yeah, I wish I had started earlier. I would have been <laughs> at a higher place now. Yeah. But, you know, it's a lifelong journey to discover what's out there and to learn it. And yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoy it. So, I, you had mentioned uh, um, earlier that some of the most more influential artists for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I didn't grow up listening to jazz. Mm-hmm. I kind of went through this, you know, southern southern folk to southern rock to um, blues, and then so I was really into like Stevie Ray Vaughan and that kind of stuff, Texas blues, and then you know I I heard Fish, and I've got my Fish shirt on today because I'm trying. I'm I should be going to see Fish at the Hampton Coliseum tonight. Sweet. Um, but I, I listened to Trey Anastasio's playing and, you know, he's a fairly jazzy blues rock guitarist. If yeah. you think about it, he, I mean, he, they have a lot of extended improvisation and, you know, he'll go into, he plays a lot of Dorian mode stuff. He, he plays fairly sophisticated blues a lot of times, but he gets into diminished scales and things like that. And then I started getting this idea in my head that, you know, you can't just like, learn Trey Anastasio diminished licks. You kind of have to just learn jazz to get that. And um, so anyway, I, I started looking into some more jazz and, you know, you can't really start with Charlie Parker. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, you can. With that. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. It's like you were saying earlier, it's too much to listen. If you don't understand it, it's, it's not necessarily the most appealing thing. If you're used to listening to, the Almond Brothers and Fish and yeah, the harmony. Going. Yeah, the harmony is different. That's for sure. It's, yeah, it's an acquired taste. Yeah, but a good stepping stone. My the first jazz musician that I think I really got excited about was Kenny Burrell. I oh. I heard that Mid- Midnight Blue album and chill, it it opens with Chitlin's Con Carne. And it has that that clave at the beginning. It's like a alternating two one one two clave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's this Latin blues, and it 
I mean, the yeah. tone of his clean hollow body guitar is so it's so awesome and it it sounds so f- sophisticated even though it's just a simple blues. Mm. And I started thinking like, okay, this is how you I I want to beef up my my playing. Yeah. I I want to play like this guy. I mean, he uses a lot of pentatonics and things like that, but he can I mean, Kenny Burrell can play straight ahead jazz extremely well. Yeah. It's just, you know, something like Chitlin's Concarne or that whole Midnight Blue album yeah. is very um easy to listen to. Um I, yeah, I agree. I there's something about Kenny and his approach and the way he he lays out his lines and I I I love Kenny Burrell. He's yeah. he's very um I don't know. There's something about his sound that's just like, wow, this is this is really because even last night I was listening, kind of comparing some artists, and I was even listening to uh, you know say, okay, well, how, let's listen to Grant Green and mm-hmm. let's listen to Kenny and put them back to back and a couple other artists. And I was every single one of them has their distinct own personalities. That's for sure. Don't don't we all? Um, but Kenny is just. There, I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't know if it's his lines or if it's his tone or how he intersperses like choral work with his lead lines or mm-hmm. whatever it is. All of uh, the above. Yeah, it's. I love it. It's great. Kenny's awesome. He <laughs> yeah. really is, and he he's been around since the I think the fifties or sixties. He's been around for a long time, and he's played with a lot of. Yeah. Very famous musicians. Um, I think he's the, I think he's a dean of the jazz department at USC, Southern California. Yeah, I, I think. I need to check that. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I don't know if it's, yeah, but I, I know that he's, he's definitely got a great position. Um, sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and he's got that, that plunk uh, to his sound his tone is that it's woody it's beautiful um it has a lot of yeah the front end of his notes have this plunk that you can't really get out of a definitely not a solid body guitar yeah but uh it's fun to listen to uh definitely check out that album although he has lots of good albums out there um yeah absolutely does yeah he really provided a stepping stone for me i got I really studied his style and then from that, you know, you dive in deeper and mm-hmm. that was enough for me to decide I wanted to really go back and study jazz and in school. And I was fortunate enough to take a jazz studies course that obviously if you're a jazz guitar major, you should take a jazz studies course and start at the beginning. Yeah. Um, but through that, I mean, I, I learned all the, the early jazz music, um, you know, from Satchmo to through the big bands of the thirties, Ellington and, and Count Basie and yep. the bebop of the forties with, uh, Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker and Thelonious Monk yep. up at, uh, was it Minton's in New York city, yep. like up in Harlem. Um, and Miles Davis came along miles. And also if you want a good book, Miles's uh, autobiography is phenomenal. I mean, it's just 
it you can hear his voice in it. I mean, he's he's ve- got a very distinct personality. Um, I think yeah. he's misunderstood a lot of times because um, he could kind of be a, a dick. But yeah. <laughs> I've but, heard that. I've heard that from quite a few people. Yes, but yeah. when you hear it from his side of the story, right? Some of the times, you know, he needed to be because he was being taken advantage of. He was getting beat up by cops on the street just for, you know, for doing nothing wrong. He he grew up in a rough time, but um, yeah, yeah. I guess my my point is, I I got to learn all this, and then you know, you hear somebody like like Grant Green. And you can kind of hear his influences, the the Charlie Christian, the Charlie Parker. He has that influence to him. But as he developed, he was he was like fifties through the seventies. He died in I think the late seventies. Yeah. He his style changed with the the style of the times, and he like I just got this new um, Live in France album from Grant Green, okay. and it's it's awesome. It's so awesome. He, it's got, um, the recordings aren't just from one show, but kind of a, several shows in a period he was over there. Okay. Like a compilation. Like, yeah. It was around 1970. Okay. And, um, oh man, he's got, he has a couple tunes where he's doing like he does Oleo. Um, I think that's Sonny Rollins. He, he plays some actual bop kind of guitar, but then he's got, um, a lot of just like he's playing the blues and it's very funky. He plays over some vamps where it's just like, you know, the kind of stuff a jam band would play over. Right. With kind of a, you know, a groove behind it. It's not your typical jazz groove in the background. Yeah. And he's just like playing awesome pentatonic stuff and double stops. And he does a lot of like call and response kind of phrasing. It's it's great to learn from. It's just this awesome guitar. Yeah. I like Grant Green is also another one that's just, uh, just, I just, again, same thing like Kenny. It's the way he approaches. I think it's the, for me, I think it's the cleanliness. I love that clean sound. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love how they approach their lines. It's accessible. It's not too crazy. Um, And when it is, it's, it's in contrast to something like, Pat, you know what I mean? Like Pat Metheny is, he's, he's more in depth and he's not in a negative way, but he's all over the place. Like his, his approach is very thick and very information heavy. It's harmonically rich. Yes, absolutely. Typically. Right. Right. Whereas Grant and Kenny are just, it's, um, it's like I said, it's a little more accessible. Uh, I love Pat Metheny and I love, all of the stuff that he's done. Uh, it's just a different style. It's a different kind of jazz. And like you were talking, you, you kind of just said, and brought up this idea of when a jazz artist goes to vamp over something, that's, I love it when, you know, there's the head and you kind of get this motif, this idea of what the song's about. But when the band breaks up and you're in 32 bars and the band just kind of each individually takes their section. Oh, there's something about that where it's, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's so neat to be able to see any artist, whether it's the guitarist, the bassist, the piano player, the drummer, and they get their spot where they just kind of get to do their own thing. Mm-hmm. That's 
awesome, especially live, man. That's just like, oh yeah. There were there used to be this uh jazz. Actually, it's still there. It's called Bar Blue, uh, as well at Penn State downstairs in this dark room, and I'd go down there to see all kinds of jazz artists. Um, great stuff. I'd love it. I just love being able to go see you know a trio or a quartet and just kind of see them do their thing. It's, oh, it's so exciting. I know other people don't feel like that, but man, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. oh, you got to see live jazz in order to really appreciate it. I mean, it's, it's so much more fun to see live and most music is, I mean, you guys were saying that in on the metal episode, how you have to go see a metal show to really yeah. understand yeah, well, get the energy. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing with jazz. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, and a big concert, like a Pat Metheny type of thing. That would be, that's awesome. But at the same time doing like a, uh, uh, a club environment, that's, mm-hmm. that's nice, close and personal. It's great. I love it. You can see, see their fingers. I mean, you can really see what they're doing. I mean, it's, when I was in DC, I, I got to go to Bohemian Caverns before it closed down it closed down, I think, a year or two ago, mm-hmm. so 2016 or 17. But that place had been around for a very long time, and it's up on U Street and in D.C., and it, it had this uh, big piano, uh, like piano keys on the outside yeah. of the building, and you actually go in and you go downstairs into like a man-made fake cavern. Okay. And it actually was like... I don't know, some sort of stucco product. Right. It had like stalactites and stalagmites and <laughs> a like, cave. Yeah, it, was, it felt like and looked like a cave, very dark. And it had these white tablecloth tables. And depending on where you were sitting, you couldn't necessarily, you'd have to look around the stalactites to see the band, but right. such an incredible place to see music. And, uh, I saw I saw Mark Whitfield there. Oh. Great jazz guitarist. He really inspired me. I was in school then and really enjoyed his playing style, you know, mm. very modern jazz, you know, kind of pulling from all the influences, but it was very relatable. Is, you know, more in line with what we're talking about with the Kenny Burrell and the Grant Green stuff. I right. mean, he can he can play anything, but I found it to be just extremely enjoyable music. Yeah. Yeah, that's Mark Whitfield. Um, and for me, it goes it, go, it even goes beyond um, uh, a guitar. I mean, I love obviously I love guitar, always have. Yeah, but even when it comes to somebody like Herbie Hancock, or oh, yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of people out there that with jazz it doesn't matter if it's a horn player sound like you said satchmo or something like that ella fitzgerald um this kind of sound is just it's really enjoyable i like that sound it's 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 nice christian mcbride is also one of my favorite uh mm-hmm. players bass player um yeah there's so much out there yeah oh man it is when you speak of other other instruments, I you know you think of sax great saxophone jazz saxophone players. Well, you know you think of Charlie Parker and mm-hmm. Coltrane, and so people a lot of people listen to John Coltrane, and he's not a good place to start listening to jazz. I mean, 
he's incredible to listen to. Mm-hmm. He's got this wall of sound and he kind of completely ignores the melody and he's playing up and down, you know, the based on the harmony. Yeah. Um, and he gets outside the box a lot. If you listen to him play the blues, he's got a blues album. that's really cool. Um, he plays some nice stuff that folks newer to jazz could like, but you know, if you're going to go that route and you, you're not into jazz yet and you want to hear some great jazz saxophone, like listen to Sonny Rollins. Yeah. Sonny, Sonny is a much more melodic player than Coltrane. He's got a little bit more, his tone's not as dry. He's got a little bit more vibrato on it. It's just a nicer sound in general. Like he's not doing his, he's not changing the world. I don't think, you know, he, he was doing his thing and then he heard Coltrane and I mean, there was a period where he went and like shed. He, he just went and practiced. He quit playing for out for a couple of years and, or for a period. And he just went and practiced because he had heard what Coltrane was doing. And he's like, I need to step up my game. <laughs> but you know, Sonny Rollins has some great tunes. I mean, you listen to Doxy is one of my, it's just such a great, simple tune. And Sonny sounds so good over it. And same with uh, like, Oh, what's it called? Saint. Uh, oh, I'll think of it later. But he's got some great, great tunes that are melodic, and his soloing's melodic. Yeah, yeah. He's a tenor saxophone player. Yeah, yeah. and he's yeah. actually got some Caribbean roots, so he he does have some some of that Latin vibe sometimes. I think his mom's from the oh, where's in the Caribbean, the Virgin Islands, or somewhere down there. Uh, and that brings up in mind Chick Corea and how, uh, wow. Like I remember him yeah. remembering Chick and the, for the first time and be like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, wow. That's, that's, it's, it's amazing to hear all of these artists and how they approach one genre and make it their own and make it, you know, it's, there's so much involved with it. Uh, I know I was talking earlier about where my upbringings were. Uh, for me, the first guitarist jazz wise was somebody named Earl Clue. Um, and specifically an album called wishful thinking. Uh, my mom would play that all the time and just the way that he would approach it. I loved that. And now that, that's more smooth jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, it's not like Kenny Burrell or any of these one guys. It's it's definitely kind of got that smooth jazz kind of feel. But man, it's just it's amazing that just like any other genre, where you can listen to you know rock or alt rock or whatever, all the many permutations of uh, jazz is the same way. There's so many facets and many different ways you can listen to jazz. It's it's awesome easily easy listening even that is just like ah there's some there's some really good gems in there i mean it there is a time and a place where you listen to dave cause the smooth jazz saxophone that's funny right now i have i have a student that wants to learn that on guitar oh yeah i mean it's it's really beautiful sounding it does sound like your stereotypical elevator music sometimes but if you really listen to it it can it can tug on your heartstrings yeah, it's good stuff to listen to. Um, you know, 
like I said, the student that she just literally, literally just this past week, she's like, yeah, I, I like smooth jazz. And she was kind of like a little embarrassed because yeah, she's like 14 years old and she's like a, a little embarrassed to tell me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, what are you talking about? You like smooth jazz? This is amazing. And, yeah. and we started digging into this whole thing and she's just kind of, I think she was a little bit blown away that I was pretty much excited to show her all of this stuff that's available mm -hmm. um, because it is, it's, it's awesome. And she, she uses it usually when she's studying. Mm -hmm. um, that's a perfect example to listen to something like that because it's, it's easy to listen to and you can still concentrate on what you're doing. Um, kind of like elevator music ish, but at the same time, Man, there's a lot, there can be a lot of high information and a lot of, well, I guess I should, I recant that there, there's a lot of high information in jazz. <laughs> so I want to go back a minute. Yeah. Yeah. We, we brought, we brought up Pat Metheny. Yeah. So like I was, I was really into Kenny Burrell and I was learning all these other, you know, the history of jazz. And then Pat Metheny came into my life. And I heard the Brad Size Life album and I was kind of blown away because I hadn't, I hadn't really dipped into jazz fusion yet. I yeah. had, I heard Bright Size Life and it was this, this almost like otherworldly sound. Like it's got this earthiness to it. Um, but it's also just, and he's getting into some, it's not bebop language. Right. A lot of what he's playing, especially on that album. He's he's young there. I think it was 1974. And he was playing with Jaco Pastorius, the amazing bass player. <laughs> um, it was just his, it was a trio. And he uh, recorded that album. And, you know, the title track, Bright Size Life, is amazing. I mean, I just love the tune. I played that at, I played it last night at a, you know, venue. And I think, yeah modern audiences enjoy that sound um but he you know he he rips rips on that song as well and uh and then like midsummer night's dream on that album mm. is one of those that like i can put on my headphones and close my eyes and it's it's so powerful yeah when i listen to it it takes about a a minute for it to really hit there's all this build up and then it you know the bass comes in heavy and it it's a beautiful song yeah. And that one, he's not showing off on that song. He's just, the songwriting, the composition of it is so beautiful. And that's, you know, Pat Metheny can shred jazz on the guitar, but his songwriting skills are absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that album is early on in his career. There's lots of wonderful music that he's put out since then. But, yeah, The Bright Size Life, yeah, that album, he, I kind of started to, in terms of stepping away from bebop vocabulary, he right. does a lot of, you know, I think a couple of weeks ago we were mentioning Paul Gilbert and he uses these like three note per string patterns. Right. And Pat Metheny does a lot of that too, just with a pretty clean guitar, maybe with some delay on it. And he'll do these really fast three note per string runs and, but getting into other modes and, you know, playing his note choices are very interesting. Yes. So that has had a huge influence on my 
approach to jazz playing, especially for songs where that that works better. I wouldn't necessarily play like that on a bebop song, but it doesn't work necessarily so great on a, a straight bluesy jazz song, but it sounds so good on so many di- in so many different places, so many yeah. different types of music. Yeah. Yeah. Pat Pat is is straight out just amazing. He's um he's been doing it for a long time. He's mm-hmm. a, he's got a nice clean sound, although he does, like you said, he does use a little bit of the delay sometimes. Uh he's got that chorus effect on it. Yeah. Um it's it's uh his runs are sick. I mean, yeah. he's, he's got like these runs that are just like wow <laughs> blazing wow. fast blazing Gilbert fast yeah and you're just like holy cow it's a different approach uh than what you would think of when you think of like jazz uh he's got these lines that are out of right out of the gate you sometimes think about like where is this going or where did that come from or how did you come up with that line um it's it's and the other part of it for me is like when I listen to an album of his, I think to myself, okay, is this recorded as an improv, like a live setting, or how much of this is actually thought out? You know, what I mean, there's always the head, but all the stuff that's in between, they're just takes, and you take the best of the best takes. Um, and, but are all those takes kind of like melded around the same idea, or because it's jazz, the the idea of jazz is you know never play it the same way twice. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, Pat's approach is just, wow. And then thinking about Pat, I don't want to jump off of Pat, but it just kind of brought up a whole new slew of, of ideas for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Like Schofield. Yeah. He is the gateway into the, he kind of started this whole fusion. I, I don't know if he started it, but he, for me, brought me into listening to Schofield and Mike Stern and, yep. Uh, I mean, and then you get into even Larry Carlton and Robin Ford. I mean, he kind of, yep. Pat Metheny, he, it's kind of, it's a very fusion-y sound. Yeah. I, I wrote, just wrote down Holdsworth and. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like all these guys are just like, oh man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even we've been talking about Satriani for several episodes. I mean, he, there's definitely some, he probably wouldn't have done what he did without Right. Any doing what he did. Right. Yeah. All these guys are just, it's, um, it's such a wide range of, of great, great artists. Uh, another, cause Schofield just ended up, uh, uh, I don't know if, I don't think he's still touring with them, but Medeski, Martin and Wood, mm-hmm. uh, another great band that I love. Just whew, there's so much out there. It's great. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's endless. Yeah, it really is. Jazz is is really really. I keep on saying it over but over and over again, but wow, love it. So I I took from Pat Metheny kind of was a a turning point for me, and from him I kind of I got into Herbie Hancock and mm. a lot of the other fusion stuff. Weather Report, yep. Um, oh, I love Weather Report. Yeah. Um, so I mean, because you know Jocko played bass for pat metheny on that bright size life album yep jaco was the bass player for weather report and playing with joe zavenul on keys and just a great band they have a lot of fun songs i mean i think everybody i play birdland at a lot of shows and it's that song 
where you start playing and people are like, I think I've heard this. And right. you know, four or five minutes later, you get to the and everybody's like, oh yeah, it's this song. Yeah. You've, there's so many versions of it, but it's so good. I mean, that's one of those feel good. I like to end my, my shows with that, but um, yeah, the, you know, Herbie Hancock, you get into stuff like, like, tell me a bedtime story. Oh. I, I got, I love that tune. It's so, I mean, even the title suggests it, but I, I feel like it's this dreamy song. Yeah. It's like it really makes me feel like I'm, you know, I close my eyes and it kind of takes you to a different place. I love playing over that tune. I mean, I play, I like playing the, the melody too, but it's just a fun chord progression. And he's, he's a genius. I mean, he, you could take that song and you could, it's basically an F sharp minor and you could basically solo using the F sharp pentatonic minor pentatonic scale over most of it. But right. the way he reharmonized in that tune, he, you know, he used other chords that don't fit within the F minor. They're not in F minor, but right. you know, if you're soloing the, the melody still, the notes were originally, I think he wrote the tune in that key and he took it other places mm. but you know you start looking at how he did that and you know it can inf for me it's inspiring to see that you know you don't have to stay in one key and you don't necessarily have to just change keys and stay in that key you can just pick other chords for you know to fit over specific notes of the melody and return back to your key yeah that's a that's a really cool song and Herbie came up under Miles Davis. Mm -hmm. So in the 1950s, Herbie Hancock was playing like bebop, hard bop piano, you know, on a, you know, clean piano. And right. then Herbie really, you know, with the times moved to the electric piano and the keyboard and did all kinds of awesome stuff. Oh my gosh. He's part of the revolution. Herbie's been all over the place. I, I was uh, listening to my playlist the other day and all of a sudden rocket came up and I'm like, mm -hmm. this is Herbie Hancock. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> this, is, this is so crazy. Like mm -hmm. he's gone all over the place, but it's all so good. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. And for me, I'm just kind of thinking like brings up this idea that within the forums that I'm involved with, there's a, there's this discussion going on of, um, jazz and its role today, um, as opposed to what it was yesteryear. Um, and I know I keep on bringing this up, it seems with every episode, but, um, it's no, where are you uh, going with this? right. But, but it just seems, <laughs> I'm sure everybody else does who tunes in every week. <laughs> uh, but it just, it, it definitely seems to be this 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 discussion that's going on is is jazz dead um because we don't have the herbie hancocks we don't have the Schofields and the methanies and the, all these guys that you know 30 40 50 years ago jazz was very in the now it was it was happening it was everybody knew about all of it um, and yes, it's there today <laughs> and you can find it, but it's just not, it's not as, um, it's definitely present. not mainstream, right? It's not as present as it was. Um, 
And that's the discussion is, is, is it dead? Is it, is it going away? Is it something that's starting to fade much like blues is blues dying? Is, is it going away? Um, I'm, I'm afraid that a lot of these roots and maybe they are, cause obviously times are changing. Um, and just like with classical music of the times back, you know, hundreds of years ago, it was the thing. Um, maybe we're at that turning point where music is definitely starting to change. Maybe it'll be something new. Um, won't that be exciting? Um, but yeah, it's kind of interesting to see a lot of this stuff happening, um, as we're living through it. I know I go on Instagram and I, I subscribe to a lot of, um, a lot of different channels who have followed us through in- Instagram as well. And thank you, by the way, for all, all our listeners coming through Instagram. Um, and I do check out a lot of your channels and it's amazing to see all of the different types of music out there and people are doing it, but the big, the big guys, the big guns, the, it's hard to find somebody leading a new path. Um, the people like Pat Metheny, the ones that are the visionaries, then Herbie Hancock and um, the Marcellus, yeah. the Marcellus and the brothers. Yeah, they're it's they're not as predominant. They don't seem to be existing nowadays. Maybe that's because the market is so flooded. Maybe that's because of the invention of the internet, um, which is a great thing. But at the same time, how do you make a splash within this big ocean? It's hard. It's hard. It, it's interesting, like thinking about the local jazz scene in Virginia Beach. Mm-hmm. the The best players are typically, I mean, they're they're a bit older, not old, but you know, they've been do they've been on the scene for a long time, mm-hmm. and it's it's an interesting scene in that it's kind of hard to get into. Uh, like there'll be these jam sessions, and you know, you got the best players in the region kind of all congregate to this area, mm. and it's intimidating for other players because it's like if you're not a professional jazz player it's like you can't really be a part of this well and you know, that i think you that say- cuts people off i mean i i feel like the leaders of the jazz community should be trying to keep this going you know come on up if you're not you know it's okay if you mess up it's okay if you're learning jazz like you need to this needs to be an open community of that, that bringing brings, people in. That brings up two important important points for me is, A, um, as I was growing up, it was very evident to me that the jazz community had a little bit of a nose up in the air type of attitude. Um, it was very... Um, it was very difficult to kind of be a part of that community because it was just, I don't know what it was about it. It, it, they were, it was not as accepting as something like the rock or punk or anything like that. That's very accessible. You know, if you can rock out, if you can, you know, play a couple chords or whatever like that, you're accepted and by all means, just do it. Um, anarchy. Yeah. I mean, but, the jazz because it's so skilled and so 
theory based and you have to know what you're doing and this professorial kind of attitude and it was like that scares a lot of people away a lot of people away that's number one number mm-hmm. two amongst the jazz greats there seems to be this attitude of it's old school and they don't seem to embrace the the internet whereas um it's this idea of i'm not going to share a live performance on youtube because it's all about what's in the moment and i do not want to release anything that has been recorded and if i find that anybody records my performance like if you go to a concert most jazz artists will tell you absolutely no recording of whatsoever in any way whatsoever and if i find it online i'm gonna take it down and that happens all the time to me they're shooting themselves in the foot because you know youtube is a very good way for new listeners to have access to all of this good music. And by pulling all of that away from people to listen to, you're stripping them from, from finding your material. Um, I, I have, I've found this over and over and over again that someone like Pat, you can't find live stuff of his stuff on, on YouTube. You, you can't find a couple. Uh, but that's just it a couple like you have to look for it and it's hard Mm -hmm. to find um it there's a lot of these jazz artists that have this old school attitude of uh, i'm not putting my stuff online because it's it's live and it's meant to be listened to live um otherwise you're gonna have to pay for the album yeah yeah it's kind of a downhill spiral you need people to find you and get excited about you through yeah. things like YouTube in order to then buy your album. Yeah. And in star- but inspire it's the hard next to make, yeah, but it's, it's hard to make a living generation. being a jazz musician. And I get the other that problem. Like they don't have the big record labels back no. They're not getting no. the major radio airplay. So they need to sell those albums to, yeah. to stay afloat. They're not yeah. getting paid tons of money to play big venues. No, there's actually a joke on one, on one of the forms of how, you know, all you really need is uh, create a band, a jazz band, uh, and then get a, you know, a huge, even a Facebook or, uh, Instagram or wh- whatever it is following of all your, just your friends and just get as many people to follow on board. And there's a very, very, very good chance that you will get number one in the jazz genre, uh, because it's such a small, you know, it's such a small genre that, that your chances of going to number one are just very easy, especially with the hundreds and hundreds of, if not thousands of followers that you can get on Instagram or, or Facebook or any of the other social platforms. That's fair. But at the same time, the, like I have a friend, Jennifer Gamble, who's a local uh, jazz vocalist and flautist who hmm. I play with sometimes. And we've got a little duo called blue Orpheus. And uh, but she just recorded her album with Jay Sinnott, who runs the Sinnott and Session. It's like the Hampton Roads jazz show on the NPR channel. Okay. Um. So it's on like five days, five nights a week. It's kind of like the late night jazz thing. Um. And he's Jay is a great drummer, and but she just went out to I think it was San Jose, California, for the big jazz convention, and there's like. It's a big jazz networking thing. 
And it, I mean, the talent is definitely there, like oh, yeah. amongst the jazz community. And it is competitive. I, I know she's been trying to get her, her album out mm-hmm. and listened to more, but, um, man, it's hard. Yeah. It's but hard. yeah, and th- I think that's why people get so serious about it. You have to be the best player possible to try to stand out. But at the same time, I think embracing as Herbie Hancock did, as later Grant Green did, you know, embracing the kind of modern music, yeah, contemporary music and fusing the jazz into that, I think is a very, you know, I think it's a very positive thing for getting jazz out to people. Yeah, I've said this before. I at my shows, I'll play old jazz ballads up tempo with a modern groove behind it, and people <laughs> like it. Right. You know, I play Miles Davis "Boplicity." He wrote that with Gil Evans in the fifties. It's not modern sounding, but I put a hip hop groove behind it, mm-hmm. and it sounds so cool. Like it sounds like I love it, and I think people really enjoy it when I play stuff like that. Yeah. How to, you know, bars, breweries, whatever. Yeah. yeah. People just need, you know, their good chord progressions, their good melodies. I mean, incredible, I'd say. And they just need to be revived and people need to accept that, you know, jazz is, the the landscape is changing and we've got to, you can't just be a bebop purist or a hard bop purist or whatever. You got to keep it fresh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know that for me, um, all through my life, whether it was back in the 90s uh, or currently, anytime I hear um, a jazz standard or just jazz in general and it's thrown in with you know a hip-hop beat or something mm-hmm. that's got some kind of cool groove behind it, uh, I enjoy it. I really yeah. like that sound. Um, there's an uh, artist named Ronnie Fat Thumbs. Fat thumbs, I think it's Roddy Fat Thumbs. It's a great um, note. Great yeah, name. yeah. Uh, pianist who plays jazz behind some sick beats, and it's it's good mm-hmm. stuff, man. It's awesome. I know there's been plenty of times through the years on popular radio where where there's a cool beat going on, and they'll mix some samples of some jazz going on in the background. You're like, oh, sweet. And then I'm listening to the actual jazz album. I'm like, wait a second, that's Oh, okay. All right. That's mm-hmm. where the sample comes from. <laughs> That's cool. At least, yeah. you know, someone's out there trying to, you know, make it accessible. That's good. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even to my point of not being, a, you know, an older jazz style purist, you even look at the kings of those older jazz styles, like Dizzy Gillespie. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who Diz- Dizzy Gillespie is, he was one of the him and Charlie Parker and Thelonious Monk. They were right after around the time of World War II. They were kind of making. They were not inventing bebop, but I, I guess they were at the forefront of the bebop yeah. movement. And Dizzy can play blisteringly fast, and he can play really high on the. He can hit some really high notes on the trumpet. Um. He's an amazing, but Dizzy, whereas Charlie Parker was, he was not as theoretical. He was just an incredible player. Right. Dizzy really understood Western harmony. You know, he understood classical music. He he was the one that was 
searching more and he went down and he got into all this Latin music and Dizzy went and found all this Latin music and brought it and fused it with American jazz and some of my favorite jazz. I mean, we talk about Tito Puente. Hmm. Some of my favorite jazz is influenced by Latin music and Brazilian bossa novas. And, you know, it, it's oh. amazing what, Oh my gosh. It's some of what's the out there in the, yeah, in the, the Latin jazz genre. Oh, you're, you're not kidding me. It's there's some, again, it's, it's all about that feel that, that it's so exciting. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just yeah. like, it's got that, awesome rhythm behind it and it's just like oh man this is so good yeah chick Corea, oh man yeah. so. his spain is an awesome tune dizzy gillespie did um night in tunisia <clears throat> some other stuff like that he he was so he was one of the the bebop guys and he was he was trying to branch out so you know maybe today we did that whole episode on world music yeah um, you know, even um in India, northern Indian classical music is very much like jazz. It it's you know they're essentially the rag is they're improvising at, for thirty minutes at a time. You're right. So it'd be cool to hear some uh Indian influenced jazz. I mean, there are all kinds of ways to to branch out. Yeah. Although I don't know that, that would fit with the modern music, but it would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on, I mean, there's so many ways, so many avenues to be able to get yourself into jazz. Uh, whether it's, I mean, I know like Nora Jones, I, I mm-hmm. love love Nora Jones. Um, she's got that nice, sweet feel um, that's just very relaxing very enjoyable i love nora i love her mm. her style um um esperanza spalding um oh, i'm thinking man, she's cool oh my gosh there's i mean i'm thinking about all these people coming out of berkeley and oh snarky puppy snarky puppy there's they are doing some cool things mm-hmm. i mean they yeah. they definitely have that like big band thing but then they've all they've got like multiple percussionists and keyboards playing hip hop grooves with it. And yeah. I mean, they're doing some really cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's always a way to get yourself into any one of these, any one of these, these, these spaces, whether it's jazz or country or EDM or whatever it is. Um, there's a way to get yourself at, the, there's a gateway. There's a way to get yourself into that style of music. And then slowly you build up more and more and more. Um, It just depends on where you want to push yourself as a musician. Um, Some Mm -hmm. people are very stubborn about what they listen to. Um, I get that. That's fine. Um, But I am a strong advocate of just trying out a bunch of different styles of music because you never, ever know ever what you're going to like something might hit you that you never ever even thought that's going to be like it's like that that 14 year old girl mm-hmm. you know <laughs> she loves smooth jazz smooth jazz it's like wow that's awesome that's so cool to hear somebody that young exploring the musical space 
You know what I mean? That's, that's exciting. That's nice to know because a lot of us are stubborn in terms of, no, I just listen to metal. That's what I listen to. That's who I am. No, I just listen to classical. I'm a classically trained musician. That's what I do. Um, I think that's, I wouldn't say it's dangerous, but at the same time, you're not doing, you're not helping yourself in any way whatsoever. It's, it's definitely, it's important to kind of try to listen to different styles and you can pull different ideas from any one of these places. It's, and you can really sometimes, I mean, you're almost always going to find things that will help you're playing in the style that you care about. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't want to play jazz, but I mean, if you like fish, I'll, you know, come in full circle. I, I now can jam, you know, I can improvise on a song, kind of a, a vamp of some sort. And, you know, you add a little overdrive to your guitar and, and you can play the blues, but all of a sudden you can just, you can, make note choices that sound new and fresh and exciting and you don't run out of ideas. I mean, I feel like if you just play pentatonic blues, it can get, you know, you feel like you're boxed in like very literally you're, you've been playing a couple courses and you're like, well, if I keep going and I'm only (laughs) using the minor pentatonic box, it's basically going to sound like I'm just repeating myself. Right. We're going to get bored, but Sometimes all it takes is a little knowledge of like, okay, here are a couple different notes, a couple different ideas I can use over the blues that make my playing sound fresh and exciting. And I can take it to different places. I can go, I can actually play the chords of the blues changes and really pull those chords out and make it sound like I'm paying attention to the chord progression or I can, right? you know, you can imply a two five to get from the four chord back to the one chord. I mean, you can run the diminished scale off the second bar of the four chords. That's bar six. You can run some diminished thing that brings you back to the one chord in such a beautiful way. I mean, the diminished scale there sounds awesome. And if you didn't understand at least a little jazz, it would be hard to, to use that and to understand how to use that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And think about metal with some like jazz, jazzier chord progressions or note choices. It would be awesome. Yeah. I'm just trying to, I was, I was just deep in thought. I'm like jazz metal. I'm trying to think about <laughs> jazz metal and bands that would be jazz metal classified as jazz metal. Uh, that's something that I'm going to have to research. <laughs> it's got to be out there. Oh, I, I'm sure it is. I'm sure that we have listeners right now going, dude, how can you not say blah? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I know. I'm sure I've heard a lot of it before. I'm just trying to think about, I'm right now. I'm just so into jazz mode. I'd have to, I'd have to go through my library, but yeah, I'm mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of cross pollination of a lot of different, a lot of different music. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, Satriani, he, he had a, he had a lot of knowledge of scales and modes and all kinds of unusual stuff getting away from your pentatonic boxes and things. And I know it's not metal, but he's, he's approaching that, you know, the prog rock style, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So maybe thinking in guys like Satriani, he had a jazzy flair, I guess you could say at least harmonically. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, 
I, I, what an influential genre for me overall. I, I've always loved it. I will continue to love it. I think a lot of people look at me sometimes and go, what are you, what are you listening to? Uh, right now for me, uh, there's a artist named Mark Moulin, um, who I'm really, really into. It's kind of got that old 70s sound. Um, and what's the other one? Oh, I threw the paper away. Um, but there's another one. Uh, I know the, the title track is called Drug Song. Um, I seem to be into the 70s sound right now that I'm really, really enjoying. Um, but yeah, there's. Oh, I'm always looking for really, really good music. That's what, and it doesn't matter the genre. It doesn't matter. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, Lake Street Dive is a good one. They have some definite jazz influences. Mm. Um, they've got, I mean, really relatable, beautiful, fun music. Um, if you listen to like Bad Self Portraits by them, that's a great. That was the title track off. I think their first big album, but they, you know, she's a jazz vocalist mm-hmm. and they've got stand-up bass player and the guitarist also plays trumpet and they definitely get into some jazz in a very contemporary way. I was just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, jazz is, it changed my life completely. I would not be playing music and teaching music full-time without jazz. Right. You know, it, it is, Changed ev- it changed everything. I've learned how to make a living. I can sit down and play, you know, I mean, a piano player can sit down and he can pl- they can play the chords with the left hand and the melody with the right hand. You know, a lot of, you know, a lot of easy songs sound pretty good. You can play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on the piano mm-hmm. with, you know, simple chords, one, four, and five, and it sounds full. On the guitar, you're beginning guitar students, they're, they can't do that. You know, you've got both your hands are being used to play the melody or the chords, but then, you know, jazz show, you know, if you listen to jazz ballad playing, I mean, Joe passes, Joe passes the King. I don't know if anybody ever do what Joe pass did, but (laughs) he, there's a jazz solo style way of playing that can be used. It's, it's essentially when you're playing the melody and the chords at the same time. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, if you listen to Kenny Burrell, he's usually playing like one chord and then a few notes of the melody by themselves and then an- another chord. There's all kinds of different ways to do it. Joe Pass sometimes will harmonize almost every note of the melody. Um, but that can be used for all the other types of music. I mean, you can play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on the guitar with the your basic one, four and five chords and you can get the melody and the chords and all of a sudden it sounds awesome on the guitar. Yeah. And uh, I know there's a classical way to do that too. Um, And there's a jazz way to do it. And you listen to guys like Tommy Emanuel and Chet Atkins and the finger style greats on acoustic Mm -hmm. guitar in there. They've got their kind of own way of doing it. Um, but jazz, it influenced the way I play songs. I can I can sit down with a guitar with no band or anything, and I can sound make a song sound pretty good just by playing solo style. Yeah. And so there's so you know for all the guitarists out there that they go to Guitar Center and they sit down with a guitar and they start playing some licks, 
you're like, man, I wish I had my band here. I like don't know what to do without, you know, the backing track or the band or whatever. Um, listen to some jazz. <laughs> Just, yeah. I'll show you how to do it. Yeah. I think as all artists play their instruments and especially guitarists, you know, like you just said, sit down at the guitar center and you start playing Stairway to Heaven or Back in Black or whatever it is. Um, wouldn't it be cool to be able to say, I mean, I, I personally, again, maybe it's just because I was brought up with jazz. I always wanted to be able to sit down in a place like guitar center instead of sitting down and playing stairway or whatever it is. I always wanted to be able to sit down and play a jazz tune because for me, I respected that. I, I, whenever somebody was in a store and they started playing some sweet, beautiful jazz, something harmonically with chords and a leading line in there, it was like, I almost stopped what I was doing and was listening to what they were doing because it was just like, wow, it, it's, it's capturing, you know, it's very, I don't know for, for me, it was just, wow, I, I really enjoyed that. Maybe it was because I was always doing Metallica's one or whatever it was. Um, Cause those have a tendency to be um, in Marty Friedman's <laughs> words, gunmetal gray, <laughs> whereas jazz seems to have, a lot more color to it. Um, so I, I don't know. I, 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 I think that for all of our listeners, it's, it'll do a wonderful service to just listen to something, listen to any one of the artists that we've talked about today and open your mind and just see, uh, see if there's something out there that grabs you. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful style of music. Yeah, so this has been really, really fun to talk about. I I love talking about jazz and yeah. learning about jazz. So um, I'm glad we were able to do this. We're sorry once again that Tony's not able to be with us today. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we we love getting to get on get on the air and and geek out about music. Um, if you're interested in, you know guest hosting on fret buzz or if there's someone you know that you think would be a good fit please reach out to us um on our website fretbuzzthepodcast.com yep or um if you have an idea for a topic that you'd like us to discuss and hash out please let us know what that is and uh yeah it's been a it's been great yeah it's uh so far been a really good ride and we have lots more to come um, a lot of different guests. I know that we've concentrated a little bit on guitar, um, but we're going to expand a little bit more, um, whether it is a music professor or people who are playing the bass or drums or whatever it is. Uh, we really enjoy this whole process and um, having this discussion with each other and you guys. Um, if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram twitter or facebook uh and join the conversation uh, we do also have a facebook group um that there's a discussion going on um yeah it's and tell tell them about your your podcasting facebook group oh sure um i've got a podcasting facebook group called podcasters 25th crit um, it's where 
we as podcasters, no matter what we're podcasting about, uh, we jump in on a conversation and criticize each other's in a friendly way, uh, criticize each other's um, podcasts and try to make the platform that much better for everybody. I've talked to the more and more that I get into podcasting personally, um, I find that there are quite a few people who don't know about podcasting. Um, obviously the people who are listening to this do, <laughs> um, but I try to help spread the word. Um, it's uh, a wonderful platform and I, I think it does us all good to make that platform better for all of us that way in the coming years um it just becomes more available and people know about it i mean it's it's awesome that you can go out there and basically have a radio station personalized for you um i know for me at, at a young age had i had somebody you know tell me that podcasting i didn't but it if podcasting had existed and I could join a conversation about guitar and listen to that on a weekly basis or even more, I mean, hopefully I'd love to be able to do this more often throughout the week. Um, I, I would have loved it. I would have loved to tune into a conversation where we talk about jazz and world music and technique. And I mean, just the whole gambit that's, that's exciting for me. That's it's nice. I, I enjoy this pro this process a lot. So thank you everyone from the from the bottom of my heart. This is this is very very enjoyable. I love it. Yeah. So signing out. We'll uh, see you next week. Yeah. Thank you. Have a have a good day, guys. <laughs>